everybody and welcome to Drive Through Review 572. Today we're going to take a look at Gloomhaven. Now this is a new game from Cephalofair Games. It had a Kickstarter project I think about a year or so ago uh, that was very successful and now it's starting to hit backers and also hit I think a little bit of a limited distribution. Uh, I'm not sure the exact details on that. You might want to check out their website if you do get interested in this. Uh, I have seen it for sale online um, but I've also seen it coming in, in and out of for sale. So uh, I think it's somewhat limited of a print run but i think there is plans to actually bring it out uh, a little bit more uh broadly at least at some point so what is gloomhaven uh it is a giant huge massive campaign uh if you had to ask me what the mechanics were they're kind of a mage knight style dungeon crawl with a legacy game kind of built into it and you get all kinds of different ways of developing your character that's kind of the short maybe two sentence uh description of the game uh, gloomhaven is the sort of the main town in this world and you will take a troop of adventurers through uh, various adventurers working through an adventure book with uh, tons of stories and different kind of linked adventures and side quests and personal quests and all kinds of things like that and you're going to take these different classes of these different uh, you know races that are in here and kind of develop them over the course of several games i think there's over 90 different uh, scenarios in here uh, so let's go ahead and open uh, the box and just kind of take a look at everything one thing that i'm going to try very hard not to do is spoil anything because the narrative and the story is a big part of this and i've actually been asked for people don't spoil anything please when you do review this because they really want to get into it for the story so i'm not going to spoil anything you might glance at some very very minor spoiler but i'm going to try my darndest not to spoil anything i do want to make a comment about the box because i did show you the lid here uh the box is massive okay and i would definitely i got this uh mailed to me from isaac childress the designer and publisher there uh, it came fine uh, when he got it but i certainly would not tilt this up on its side because the box is sturdy, but there's so much stuff in here that you're going to put a lot of stress on this and you're going to start. I have a small crease here, but I've been keeping it on sort of flat. Uh, you do want to, I just want you to know that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because those kind of component, uh, I call them issues because uh, there's so much stuff in here. Uh, but when I do bring them up, please know that I'm not saying it like as a negative knock against the game. I don't expect anybody to build like a box that will hold all this because it's a ton. I mean, it is a massive ton here. Uh, let's just look at. I don't, want, I don't want to harp on it too much, but let's look at the mechs versus minion box here. Everybody knows this is a huge box here. And so in some ways, this is actually even bigger. It's not quite as long, but it's much, much deeper, uh, just to give you a sense. So it, it's a big, heavy, heavy box. So let's jump in and take a look at all of it. Okay, so I've laid out some of the components here to get started. Uh, you can see they've got the storybook and the rule book. Here's a board of kind of the main town and the surrounding area. And we've got the box, which I'll look at here. Now we've got here these tiles which you're going to be dealing a lot with in the game and the different scenarios will give you you know different ways to lay these out they're double-sided so you can see we've got indoor and outdoor tiles there and players will be moving around on these hexes there and there is a ton of these uh, we've also got this map board here and I'm kind of have it zoomed out so I don't spoil but you can see there's spots where I've put stickers and there's spots along here along the bottom you can mark the prosperity of the town. So as it, as you kind of level up and do things, you're going to get higher and higher prosperity for Gloomhaven. And that's going to sort of unlock uh, different ways that you can interact with vendors and uh, different sort of events and things. And you get a sheet here of the different stickers and you'll be putting those out on the board.
dashboard and there's achievements and different things like that that will unlock as you do sort of key events. And the cool thing is those stickers actually do sort of map up with the drawing that's on the map. So it, it's really cool because it really looks like you're sort of drawing it, uh, you know, as you play the game and it'll look like cohesive and makes sense. Now in here, we have the main box, of course. I just wanted to make another sort of component note is you have tons and tons and tons and tons of these different standee monsters. There are so many of these. Is this all of them? I think this is all of them here. So you have all of these. There's so many of these. And you have these various different standees that you're going to be equipping them. So you have your sort of normal ones and then your elite ones. And you can tell what they are by the color of the standee there. Uh, so you're going to be using those. And you'll want to spend some time uh, organizing these uh, to start the game. Maybe look at the first handful of scenarios. It's going to use kind of the same uh, types of bad guys there and separate them into somewhat reasonable piles. Now you're not going to really know like, you know, what is what necessarily because, oh, here's another one, uh, because, you know, you, you don't know. You haven't gotten to the scenario where you use the nightmare horse yet or these, uh, there's a big demon guy there. Uh, so you're going to sort through those, and then you've got a bunch of components here for traps and tables and, you know, all kinds of stuff that you're going to add into uh, the scenarios there and different walls and lavas and stuff like that. And then you have a really cool kind of piece here as all of these character boxes. So inside here, you're going to have, some of these will be open, like the first six, I think. But as we go down here, you're going to see these are actually sealed there. So certain events will unlock uh, certain classes from being used. And then in here, you will have a whole bunch of stuff, which I'll show you in a minute. You got your character card specific for the class, the character sheet and so on. And then you have, let's see, this guy here. And so for each of these, you can see it has the same symbol and you have the miniature that is gonna go with that class there. So we can see this guy here, he's kind of my warrior guy. And these are pretty decent miniatures. I'll just give you an example there. So these are something you could paint and get going. And it's probably something worth painting because if you're gonna play this character for several games, uh, it's not a waste of time to go ahead and paint that. And then you've got nice spots here for all the cards. Everything fits in a very good spot in terms of how the cards go. Um, there are also these cards here, which are the um, uh, different bad guys that you're going to find. And you can see you've got the picture there that shows you kind of what they look like. And then you have these little slots. And so let's say we're fighting level two bandits like this. We'll slide that in there. And this gives you that particular stat. So they're going to have uh, this many hit points if they're a normal level two bandit archer. And if, they're, if an elite, they're going to have nine. And then you've got here uh, the movement, the fighting, and then the range. So that's the amount of attack power they have. And so you've got here also spots to track hit points. If you don't want to, you can track it next to the model on the, or excuse me, the standee on the table as well. Uh, so these, this is a pretty handy way of also scaling the game. So the game does give you two different modes that you can sort of play in. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but that's a nice way to easily scale those up without too much trouble. Uh, first thing you can do is create your party and you get a sheet here to keep track of your party. So you can name it your party and you get uh, a reputation marker and so on. And then each player is going to have their own sheet and these sheets come uh, in these boxes here. And I will say these are pretty good for storing, but I think opening and closing these a whole bunch might wear them down. Uh, but it's kind of a nice way to, you know, open them and unlock them in terms of the legacy aspect of it. And they do serve for storage, but I, I'd feel like they will disintegrate after some time.
Uh, and the other thing, so you get your character sheet here, you get your mini, and you're gonna get tokens that match kind of like your character's icon there, and these are gonna be uh, different uses depending on you know what your character's ability cards are and stuff like that. Uh, you're gonna get a personal quest. So you're gonna get dealt a couple of these, and then you get to choose one, and then it gives you sort of a background story of why you have this goal, in this case, to kill 20 vermlings, okay? And then it'll tell you maybe that'll unlock something uh, you know, in the game once you uh, achieve that. So that is a personal goal for your character apart from kind of the main storyline. Now, each player is also going to have here a deck of these combat modifier cards. And these are always going to get flipped when you do an attack. And sometimes they're going to cancel the attack. Sometimes they're going to you know, do modifiers plus or minus and stuff like that. So as you kind of go along, you can get uh, modifications to this. You can get these perks here. Uh, you can see that. Let me zoom in down here. You can see uh, you start to unlock these checkboxes, and there's different ways that you can uh, get those marked off uh, as you sort of play through the different quests, and then you're going to be able to unlock some of the different special abilities up here. Sometimes you'll be modifying uh, these cards a lot. Now, if you look down here, you also get a deck of these action cards here. And you can see you've got a hand limit or deck limit of 10 in this case. And so you're going to start off. Now, this one has a level 2 there. You're not going to start with any of the level 2s, but you'll have a bunch of level 1s. And the game recommends just starting with all those to kind of start the game off. But you can also swap out these X's here. So these are just a little bit more, I don't know, advanced cards, but you can swap these out. But you're always limited to the number of cards and then as you level up you can start to grab some more of these higher level ones and these are the cards you're going to be playing during the game which i'll talk about and down here you have a nice sort of summary of all the things that you can do in your round and you have a hit point tracker here and i feel like this is probably going to wear out after you know 50 plays because you kind of move these down it's these little tokens here that slot in there but you know they they do okay and you can just kind of leave them there uh, above the top too if you really want uh, but I can certainly see these getting kind of loose. But, you know, that would be after several plays. And here is an XP tracker. Every time you kind of fill up that bar, you'll take a little 10 XP token, and then you'll just jot down the amount of experience that you had at the end of the game on your sheet. So then you're going to go into your first adventure. And this is the very large uh, main kind of story slash quest book. You can see all of the different types of scenarios you got there. And everybody's going to start here. Uh, with this first adventure and this also kind of walks you through a little bit of the setup uh, you will flip from a deck of cards a sort of a town event and then a road event and that's going to be sort of random stuff that's going to happen to you maybe on your way in this case to uh, the black barrel and the road events are mandatory that you do that when you travel uh, from different spots and that'll usually give you some kind of choice like you'll stumble upon uh, some poor person that has broken down their wagon you know that kind of thing and then you've got to make a choice to rob them or to you know help them out or something like that or maybe work for the city uh, garrison or you know different things like that that'll give you different choices to do then it tells you how to set these up and it gives you a little bit of iconography in terms of how you set up the monsters and everything like that it's usually pretty easy to discern it's going to tell you you know where you can start off with your heroes and then up here you can see a couple of things uh, right here is it's, it's a link to this location here excuse me linked to there and then you get to unlock a new location so you go ahead and add that to the map so as you kind of go through here 
you're going to start to reveal the map more and more. And then you'll also get, well, you got side quests sometimes that will reveal other parts of the map. Maybe you'll encounter something. I'm starting to get into spoilers here, but you'll, maybe you'll encounter something that will trigger a side quest, maybe related to your main character's uh, quest there. And you're going to have different uh, effects and things that are going to affect, like I said, the town. And the different quests will affect the town's development. And it's just going to unlock a whole bunch of story. So I went ahead and just kind of set up a little fake scenario here uh, with my brute and a couple of these different uh, bandits and stuff. So here you can see we have whoops, an elite bandit there because he's got the yellow base. And then we also have uh, just kind of a regular bandit there in white. And just to kind of show you a couple more of these standees. I do like the standees here. I mean, there's a zombie. And then we've got a couple skeletons up here. Like that. And then maybe this guy. I don't know who he is. I just picked him out randomly. Not really. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so he's there. All right. And then, uh, so now you're going to go into your turn. Now let's take a look at the player card. So I can show you there's your hand limit and your XP and hit point tracker. And everybody has this little player aid here. And so on your turn, everybody's going to make a choice. You're either going to play two cards or you can take a long rest. Now, if you don't have two cards to play, you have to take a long rest because as you play cards, you're going to be spending them and losing them and you, you can't get them back into your hand until you rest. Now, if we choose to play two cards, then everybody's going to choose two. So let me just pick these two cards sort of randomly and I'm going to look at these for their actions. So we have every card has two actions. You have a top action and a bottom action and it'll have something specific that you can do, but you can also see the top action can always, always be used for a two level attack and you can always use the bottom there for two movement. Now the other thing to note here is this kind of initiative number. So players are going to choose these and they're going to just kind of set them down or however you would choose and say, okay, I'm going to probably make uh, this one here my initiative or my lead with that card. So everybody will choose and then you'll flip over your lead card and then this is your initiative uh, for uh, that round. So even though this one has a higher initiative, I'll still be activating both of these cards, which I'll talk about, but you're going to choose one to be the initiative. And so you might have some discussion uh, with players and say, okay, well, I want to do this early because maybe I'll heal you early on because if the monsters, you know, get a lower initiative number, they're going to attack you and maybe we'll kill you or stun you before I uh, get a chance to get the heal off. Uh, but the rules actually specifically stay, say that you can't discuss this number uh, with the other players. Now, it says there's also a variant, uh, which you could use for solo play, is where you can discuss this numbers, but it does actually bump up the difficulty level of the scenario in general. And specifically, you'll be bumping up the level of the, the different NPCs that you'll encounter. Now, there's a way for the uh, difficulty of the scenario to kind of adjust as the players level up, like here I've just selected a level one bandit guard, you'll take all the uh, player levels and then divide them up and it gives you this little chart in the instruction book and say, okay, now make all the monsters this level, you'll get this much gold whenever you find treasure and so on. Uh, you can kind of bump all that up if you choose to discuss the specific numbers. And so sometimes this that kind of part is a little bit tricky because you can say, uh, you know, I think it's in the spirit of the game. It's going to be different from group to group. So some people will sort of bend that spirit and be sort of specific. And as you start to learn each other's decks and what they can do, you'll kind of know, okay, that's that card. Um, so you can play around with that. And I think it's going to be a very group dependent thing. I wouldn't obsess about it too much, but if you choose to be very sort of clinical and discuss this initiative number, then the game suggests that you do bump up the difficulty, which 
is going to make the game significantly more difficult. I'll talk more about that in the review, so just keep that in mind. It's not like just a little bit more difficult. It's uh, at least early in the game, like obviously I haven't played through you know 90% of the game, but early in the game, the difficulty bump is significant. Uh, but anyway, so players will then choose that. They will lead with the initiative, and you're going to reveal for each type of monster that's out here on the board, you're going to reveal a card from their deck. Now, if we take a look here, I showed you the living corpses, the zombies there. So they've got a special card. There's a ton of these different decks of cards uh, in the game. Now, there's some sort of generic ones. Like this one says guard. Okay, so that's going to be for any type of guard. In this case, I've got the bandit guard, which I showed you here. And this is going to be generic for all types of guards. And we've got here the living bones, which are the skeletons. And then there's also a generic deck here for uh, the boss. And this is going to trigger different special abilities, which are described... Uh, that the boss can do based on the scenario. So this is going to say activate special ability one or two or whatever, or just move and attack. Uh, so you're going to flip these over. So I'll just flip these over. And you can see here we have this initiative number here. So 47, 50, uh, this 79, and then this one here. And so then you're going to just operate in initiative order. So in my case, I led with the 18, so I'll be going first. And then maybe my partner over there, uh, they had a 72. So all three of these uh, types of creatures would react, and then we would finally get to the boss at 79. Uh, so there is certainly timing that you have to keep in mind. So you're going to execute all your actions there in that initiative order. And so let's say it comes to my uh, turn to activate. I'm going to choose the top action from one of the cards and then the bottom action from the other card. So you can never do the top action from both cards or the bottom action from both. You got to do top and bottom. And it doesn't matter what the initiative of your other card is at this point, you just ignore that. It's whatever you led with. So if I led with the 61, I wouldn't be activating until a little bit later in the turn. And the top is usually like attack or some kind of more, I guess I call it proactive, and the bottom is usually a move. And remember, you can always use the top for attack of two and the bottom for a move of two if you don't have exactly what you like. Uh, so you're gonna do that. So you're gonna maybe move three and then attack and so on. Now, sometimes, well not sometimes, all the time, there's going to be these different uh, icons. And this is a very nice sort of uh, cheat sheet here because you can see, okay, that's a jump. What does jump mean? Well, you go to page 19. Or how does the movement rules work? 19. Uh, there's sometimes there's going to be a push or a pull. And you can see all those conditions and effects on page 22 and 23. So this is a very, very handy uh, player reference here on the back of the uh, instructions. And it also has the scenario level here thing, which I talked about earlier about figuring out how uh, hide the monsters are and stuff like that. Uh, so this is all back here. It's very easy to digest. And when you move, you simply can move that number of hexes. And when you attack, you're going to apply sort of the level of the attacker. So like this one here is very interesting. So this is an attack with a power of six, which is obviously much better than a power of two. You're going to get two experience when you do this. That's what that little burst symbol means. But this guy here is going to tell you to put it out of your deck for the rest of this game, for the rest of this scenario. So you have to be very choosy when you choose to activate that cool ability, which is going to crush somebody, hopefully. Uh, and, you know, so you've got to be very, very picky. So if you use this move action down here, you don't have to get rid of the card. It's only when you use that special ability there. Now, when you do an attack, you're going to then flip off uh, the top of your deck here. So let's just take a look at this. And so that's a plus one. We're going to add plus one attack. Now, there are other different uh, modifiers here. This one, for example, shows a push, but then it also shows this little symbol here, which means you're going to flip another one. So maybe I flip that one, and then I flipped in plus one. So it's going to push 
your target one space plus one uh, to your attack power. Now, some of these will give you bad stuff. I had to go look for another deck because I took it out of my deck already. Uh, so this one will give you plus zero, no big deal. Uh, these will give you minus one. And there'll be one sometimes that will have a thing that allows you just you just whiff the whole attack. You just miss, period. Uh, then you'll kind of reshuffle your deck when you pull that. Or you can get uh, a blessing that allows you to double your attack and then that will reshuffle. But you won't get those for a while. You've also got these here. Uh, this is a stun here. And so that will allow them, uh, there's little tokens for that, but you know they won't activate on their next turn the monster this is a kind of a pierce three you'll ignore their armor now when the monsters uh do their turn you're going to just kind of walk down this card in that order so in this case it'll be a move plus one which for living corpses is pretty fast because they only move one usually uh, then attack minus one and then you will then flip a card they will have their own deck of these modifier cards when they do an attack as well now when you apply the attack to the monster for example here we can see uh like here's the bandit guard so they got level six of hit points so you just need to do six hit points and they die and the elite has nine a shield that's marked there will have will kind of absorb that uh, and so then it will kind of reduce your damage by one and again here's the movement for the guard and here's their normal uh, attack strength there and then if they're if they have range then that that would be the range that they can attack from but these guys don't have range so they have to be adjacent to uh, your character and it works the same way for your characters as well now that is basically how your turn's going to work you're just going to be operating through your deck now as you play these cards your hand's going to start to dwindle especially as you play these abilities here that force you to sort of remove the card uh, for the round or for the game uh, so you've got to be very, very choosy about what you do. Uh, and so it's very, very simple core, but this is going to be uh, a brain burner, not unlike uh, you know the game of Mage Knight. So uh, I think people should know that going in. This is this really seems very simple, but you know the order. You know, do I activate the top or bottom of the card, or what? What do I do? Do I use this now because it's going to get deleted out of my hand? You know, and what are my other friends going to do? You know, what order is the monsters going to activate in? I'm I'm really low in health. I need to activate quick. Uh, to heal up, you know, but I'm then I'm, you know, kind of back on my heels. So it's a very, very uh, tricky system, but it's very simple at its core. Now, you don't have to always play your two cards. And talking about getting the cards back, you see, if you do a long rest here, you're going to have an initiative of 99. Uh, now, that's important because a couple of things. So when the monsters activate, they're going to focus on the closest and then the person with the lowest initiative. So if you're in the back and you rest, you should be in okay shape because you're going to have a higher initiative uh, than most other folks and they should attack you last unless everybody does a long rest here. Now, when you do a long rest, you lose one discard and recover the rest. So all the cards that you've played, you have to then choose and remove one uh, from the game unless, of course, you've already removed it there. And so that's another way that you're going to sort of diminish your deck as you go along. And then you're going to heal a little bit here, two points, and then refresh spent items. Now, you can see here's an item, for example, this Boots of Striding. Uh, during my turn, I can tap it there. You can see the little icon there to exhaust it. And during your movement, and then when you do a long rest, then you can activate any other items that you've got there. Uh, now you can do an optional uh, short rest there, and so you lose one random card and recover the rest. Uh, you can do that at the end of your turn, so like, it's a little bit uh, dicey, um, but you know that could be something that you want to do to really try to get maybe a, a more medium effective attack or something back into your deck. Again, a very little simple kind of structure here, but there's a lot of decision kind of woven through all of this in the card play. Now, one thing that I'll show you is this stack of stickers. So you've got stickers for the board, which I showed you already, and then these here will enhance 
uh, some of the different cards and things uh, with these special abilities. So you can add these on here. Now you see some of these reference different elements in the game. And then up here we have this sort of round slash element tracker. And you really won't need this uh, for the first couple of scenarios, uh, but as you go along, you'll either upgrade to better skill cards or maybe start to unlock some of those enhancements. And when you play spells that have these uh, elements on them, you start to boost them up. Now they're gonna just retreat uh, every around, they're gonna start dropping down. Now you can see they get up to strong, waning, and then inert. And inert, they're not gonna do anything, but you can spend that power if it gets bumped up, and that will sort of beef up your attacks and beef up your little special abilities and so on. Now there's also a little bit of a round tracker here, and I, I don't know if most times, but it seems to me like most times you don't need that because you're not on a timer. But some of the different scenarios will require a timer. Otherwise, you just kind of go through until you win or lose based on the condition uh, outlined in the scenario book. Now that's really the gist of the game. Most of the game is going to be you know going through this book, uh, playing these not necessarily in order because you can start to skip around as you sort of unlock items and things. Um, the one thing I didn't mention was you'll sometimes put out little gold tokens or treasure tokens. That's going to vary based on the difficulty of the scenario. And uh, so based on the scenario, you might go and step on and pick up a gold token, or you have some cards that will allow you to actually do a loot action, which we'll talk more about in the review. Uh, but you'll get a certain amount of gold from those tokens uh, based on the difficulty of the scenario. And sometimes there'll be treasures, which will be keyed to maybe other scenarios or different things like that. So they'll be a little bit more specific sometimes. Now there is also here a deck uh, for making random scenarios and doing random scenarios with your crew, which won't advance the story in the storybook, but you can keep the experience and kind of level up that way. So that's a way you can kind of get in there, kind of fine tune everything. Now, if you lose the scenario, you get to keep your experience and everything. You kind of, you know, crawl home, kind of hobbled, and then you can go back at it and you know, a little bit stronger that way. Now there's also uh, several sort of envelopes and things. I don't want to show you too much because uh, there's, let's just say some envelopes are more special than others and there's this uh, town records that you can start to unlock uh, so there's like a lot of the legacy kind of aspects now the game also tells you that you can sort of i don't want to show this but i've got stuff in this plastic bag now the game technically says destroy but i believe the rules say you don't actually destroy them uh, but you can take them out of the game uh, because you can come back into this world like with another party so you could play this with two different groups you're going to keep all of the prosperity and stuff that you've leveled up with the town if you've enhanced any of your cards uh, for that class and somebody else wants to spin up you know another character that's a brute and play that in a separate campaign then that is sort of unlocked for everybody so it's sort of like as you go along more knowledge and things are unlocked and you can play it with multiple groups or spin up a random scenario and do a one-off uh, that kind of thing it's just you know the story is going to be spoiled for you so i've actually restarted this and so it's not that big of a deal obviously because i didn't wasn't that far into it um but yeah so it just you kind of just play okay well these guys did that and now we're a different crew and we're going through this uh, you know and we've we've heard of the deeds of the other uh group that went through so that's kind of a neat way so you don't actually uh destroy anything just keep them in a separate bag and uh and there, there you go you know it's out of the game and sometimes, and just you know, one last thing, like when you go through, I'll just show you an example. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, let's just grab this random one here. Like this, this is a road card, for example. So if I go through here and I do it, it might tell me to remove this from the game because it's only a, it's a unique event. It's not you know very generic. And so, or sometimes it'll say you know just put it at the bottom of the deck. So you do want to keep those decks uh, in the box in a certain order so that when you pull it out, you know that you're accessing cards 
that you haven't already. It's not that big a deal, but you know, that insert is nice for that. Okay, so that is a Gloomhaven, at least a little bit of it. I didn't, like I said, didn't want to spoil too much. I was getting a little bit long-winded there, so I may cut that down a little bit. Uh, but the game is fantastic, excellent, amazing. I think everybody needs to at least try it. Um, and so I will go in with the first sort of caveat is this game obviously is gigantic. It's huge. It's uh, in some levels a commitment to get into this game because uh, there's just so much here. And I think you're going to want to progress the campaign. You're going to want to see where the story goes and start to learn about, you know, you know, the the underpinnings of the stuff that's been going on and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to want to get through it. So having a group or a game night or something where it's like, let's play Gloomhaven for a year, that's a tough ask to pull off. Um, now, this isn't something that you necessarily have to play uh, all back to back. Um, now, I'm going to keep this game. Let's get that away. This is going on the shelf it, probably for perpetuity because I don't think I will necessarily finish this game. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there's 90 some scenarios. Let's look here. So I don't want to spoil anything for myself either. So there's 95 scenarios. And some of these are like guest scenarios too. There's other designers in here. I saw some names that I was familiar with. Uh, Travis Chance from Action Phase did one. I saw some other names that are escaping me. Uh, so there's some other stuff. And these are packed full of, you know, little story introductions, uh, sort of conclusions and, and epilogues for each of the different scenarios. So it really does draw you in to give you a good sense of this world. That's fantastic the way that all of that works. Uh, you know, even just stickering the board, I would not feel, uh, you know, if you're one of those anti-legacy folks that you don't want to rip up anything, there's nothing you're ripping up. Uh, you're marking up the board with stickers and marking up some of the cards with stickers. And you're kind of writing on the board very cursorily with the uh, prosperity. Uh, but that's just tracking where the, t uh, the town is currently at. Now, they have made available uh, PDFs, I think, of the map and all that stuff so you can restart a fresh campaign from scratch and you probably just have to keep a little bit notes if you were running like two campaigns at once you can see which cards have been removed you know out of one campaign versus the other that kind of thing i don't know that i would go to that effort but it's certainly possible to do this and then just replay the whole thing again you know print out the new pdf of the map and kind of just start over you could but like there's 95 scenarios in here, so like, take it easy. Like, you don't have to, uh, you know, feel like you have to play this for infinity. Like, I kind of feel like you will, even if you only play through the game once. You're gonna, you're gonna get through a lot of stuff. Uh, so that aspect of it is fantastic. The way they did it, very careful. I think to sort of uh, please those players like me that like to unlock stuff, don't really mind tearing anything up, but I'm not gonna tear anything up in this case. And you know, for those folks that really feel like they have to have infinitely replayable games. Um, uh, like I said, the only component problem I have is there's so many standees. It's just so many, and the box is huge. Like so that's kind of the end of my gripes of the game. Uh, in terms of like the mechanics of the game and playing through, you know, the different scenarios with the different types of monsters and the different objectives and the different decks of the different characters, that is a way. I mean, it's awesome. It really kind of blows my mind that there's so much like story and, and, and just questing and you know different encounters and, and just all that thematic stuff is in here and then at, at the end of the day you have this kind of real crunchy uh, card hand management kind of thing that's happening uh, like and like I talked about in the walkthrough it's it's a tough decision to figure out which card I want to play because you start with like this is my hand of cards this is all the stuff I can do okay, bam, what do I do? That first game, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? This so I get 10 choices or 20 choices because all the cards have two things. But here's the thing. 
once you play a couple of scenarios, you then know what your character does. You get in tune with what you can do, when you can do it, when maybe I should pull off that big attack. And so you, you learn the deck, you learn about yourself, you learn about the character that you create, and you learn about whatever everybody else can do, and when they kind of, you know, when a good time to come in and, you know, hit that heel or, or pull off a ranged barrage or something, you learn all that. that it becomes kind of second nature uh, in terms of, you know, you sort of linking up with that character, and that's awesome. I mean, that's another sort of thematic uh, boon for this game. It's not only is there a lot of sort of narrative to dive through, but you really get to know your character. You become, you change over time. You start to unlock those special abilities and start to become more of a badass, you know? All right, so that is fantastic. And so also, I mean, just the way that initiative thing works, uh, you know, it really changes up the round to round because, you know, like, okay, the monsters are going to get a, they get a free shot at us this turn because, you know, maybe we're all resting or, or we just, we kind of wasted all our low initiative cards. Uh, so that sort of dynamic and balance of, you know, sort of the layout is really going to be very interesting. Now I did make mention of the uh, difficulty thing because the rules say you can't really talk again about the initiative number exactly. Like I can't say that's number 40. I'm going to play 40 and 20. You're going to do this and heal. Like you can't get specific. You specifically can't talk about that initiative number. You can say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to early in the round, probably I'm going to heal you. And so you you don't know what number that is you probably assume it's you know 30 or below or 25 or below uh, but you don't know exactly until you see them play it then you know so sometimes you know even though you're not supposed to know uh, but it says if you do want to talk about it then you bump up the difficulty level and it does get more difficult and that's why i said i restarted the campaign is because it was difficult uh i mean we were losing the scenario i mean not like getting our butts whooped but we were it was like dicey you know it was like oh and so i think i think you kind of have to sort of uh figure out the way that you want to play it so i think it's fine as is you can just you know the sort of the base rules you don't have to discuss the numbers you just kind of play the difficulties a little bit more hands-off that way um i mean i can't speak to how it's going to be in six months but you know, that seems about right. That seems how the game was designed for. Once you start talking about the, uh, you know, being completely open, playing with basically an open hand and kind of choosing and doing whatever you want, the difficulty is going to ramp up and, you know, it's going to be tougher. So I think you're going to have to uh, figure that out for yourself. And like, for me, I jumped in with the difficulty side and then I'm like, no, I'm like, I want, you know, it's fine. Like, I like the brain burn, but I want to get through the story too. And like, not just keep getting my butt whooped. Uh, so I'm just going to play that way. And so I think that's something that's easily house rulable. Uh, yeah, I think you've got the marriage here. You've got kind of that perfect marriage of a huge long campaign and you've got really crunchy, chewy mechanics. Um, and so that that's just kind of almost close to what you would want out of a board game that really is trying to simulate a D&D campaign. You know, a lot of these other games, you got Descent, Imperial Assault, uh, Shadows of Brimstone, you know, that style of game uh, where they all kind of approach it a different way, uh, you know, Descent's kind of like your one shot, you know, okay, this is, okay, then you go to the next one on the campaign, there's a little bit of progression, um, but it doesn't really ground itself completely as much as this game does into evolving a larger story. They kind of sit inside of a more abstract, generic story where this is like you're really pulling in, you know, 
the stuff that's going around Gloomhaven and sort of the the different forces that are at work there and in, in developing your character story and all that stuff. So that's, it, you're more entrenched, I think, with the theme here. And then you've got, of course, like your Kingdom Death and your Shadows of Brimstone and those games. Um, this is probably more on the Kingdom Death side with a more linear narrative. Uh, there's significantly more kind of scenarios and stuff, even though there's a fair bit in Kingdom Death, but uh, Shadows of Brimstone is sort of your randomly generated scenarios and narrative, uh, so there's that aspect too. Um, but, uh, oh, the other thing I want to mention was the character personal quest is really neat, and each, I didn't mention this in the walkthrough, but each character gets kind of a special, uh, I will call them an attitude for that scenario. So you get a little special goal just for that scenario uh, where it's like, you know, uh, kill a uh, level two monster or something. I'm just making that up. But, you know, do this thing and then you will get a little extra bonus on those check marks that I showed you on uh, sort of unlocking those perks. That's why I like that. It kind of gives you that little extra edge of narrative and sort of your character's mood that day. So maybe they're like in a really aggressive mood. They really want to pound people into the sand. And so they, you really want to sort of achieve that narrative. Uh, and so that's a, that, that's a really, really fun sort of twist uh, that keeps you also kind of interested in not just like let's kind of methodically go through whatever the scenario wants us to do. I have this other goal that I want to do, which is going to give me perks, which is going to be helpful to my combat deck, uh, you know, and, and sort of buffing that up. Uh, so yeah, there's just a, you know you just kind of keep finding things like that uh, in this game. Uh, so yeah, like I said, this is definitely, I was teasing somebody, I was like, what do you think of Gloomhaven? I'm like, well, game of the year, and I'm recording this in January. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, it's amazing. I think um, if you're not going to play the campaign and get into it for the campaign, I think that's a difficult decision to get into the game. Uh, you know, we're starting to see a lot of these games now that come out that are like this style, but there's no campaign necessarily. Like Doom is a, is a game like that, and The Others, and what was the other one that came out last year? Oh, Conan. You know, there's other ones like that that you get in, you can play this similar style of game, but you're not, you know, hooked into this campaign. Now you could get this, you could do the random scenarios, just kind of level up your characters and because everything is is tailored towards your party level, which is really cool because then you can play, you know, bring in new players and it's just going to adjust your party level, but the story is going to progress. So there's nothing really wrong with swapping people out. And the rules, I forget what they are exactly, but there are kind of rules for you look at the prosperity level of the town and then you can just kind of auto level them up so people can kind of come and go as well um, but yeah so i i think though if you're not going to go through the campaign in the scenario like that's a little bit i don't know that's a decision i would probably wouldn't get it but that's i think a lot of people might get it i think you could get it and there's just enough of a world in a box here that you could really just sort of maybe read through this a little bit and play through some of the random scenarios or just pick ones out. Because like I said, you could go pick one in the middle of the book and you're going to be fighting different monsters, which we're going to have their kind of own inherent difficulty. But since everything is kind of uh, driven by, again, the, the party level, then you could just play these, uh, you know, kind of as one shots. Uh, and I do think the mechanics themselves are strong enough to to do that. 
so I don't think that's really the, the way the game is meant to be played, but I think you certainly could have fun with that. And you could just pick up prosperity level, level it up, and play the same scenario again, but now, you know, everybody's level eight, and, uh, you know, and then we can do that. And so there is rules for, like, retiring your characters, because once you hit a certain level, uh, you, you, you do your uh, party goal, then you're going to retire, and you start to unlock more of these other classes. Uh, so that's going to be a different way to play the game as you do that. So, yes, I think you should get it if you if you're going to do the campaign, and if you're not, then yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, but it's a giant toolkit as well as a really just a masterfully crafted uh, game. I mean, it really has blown me away. I can't oversell that enough. Just kind of the attention to detail in terms of the way people are going to approach the game. And, you know, it really feels like this is one of those things with a Kickstarter that um, I think is, it's helping in this case because it feels like Isaac and the, the publisher has listened to players and said, okay, well, what do you guys kind of want? And, you know, what do you want in this kind of dungeon crawl experience? What do you want in this kind of Dungeons and Dragons in a box kind of idea? Um, and that this really feels like that is that's really what he was going for was look you've got this world of gloomhaven and the stuff surrounding it it feels um it, in some senses and only in the best senses like a generic dungeons and dragons campaign but just in its it's sort of its surface core if that makes any sense you have that sort of surface level core but then he's expanded on it and added some of these more modern design elements uh to attack it and uh, and he sees he's deviated from that that typical theme because some of the races and things in here are not your typical dwarves elves gnomes and all that stuff it's all this other uh, i remember i don't remember what the races are here uh, what's this called the inox this guy's an inox brute um so there's different sort of like woodland types of things so it's not your traditional fantasy either um you know some of the monsters and stuff like skeletons and bandits and uh you know wisps and wraiths and all that but uh it does have enough of a tangent there so i think there's a lot really going for this game and uh i think it's definitely an achievement uh and i think people should take a close look at it in terms of uh you know where it's going to end up and I'll, i'm curious i think people will be playing this talking about this for uh you know several years uh to come and uh so i think uh i highly recommend the game I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's so massive. Like that's the thing that, uh, there's maybe it's only knock is it's like, it's almost like too ambitious. Uh, oh, there's one other thing. That's why I keep trying to I keep talking to try to remember what I was going to say. There's one interesting thing, which I did not like, uh, when I first started playing the game and actually got into the BGG forum and was going through the fact because I was like, this feels weird when I'm doing this wrong. So when you get the loot, so there's gonna be loot on the board, which I talked about in the walkthrough. If you step on the spot with the loot, you're gonna get it. Otherwise, you have to play a card that says loot. And the reason I didn't like this because I was started off playing the hard difficulty. And like, I don't have time to be going and like playing a loot card on my turn to get some treasure. And then at the end of the scenario, after I've cleared off maybe all the bosses, uh, why can't I just go pick up that treasure? Well, here's the thing. I think it's played with that in mind. Obviously, it was designed with that in mind. Uh, and some people talked me down because I was like, yeah, I don't like that. But here's the thing is when you play that loot card, 
it's not really like a loot card. There's a couple ways to look at it. It's more of a scavenge card. Now, you do have time to scavenge and grab that treasure. Yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, maybe all of the creatures and the guards and, the, and the, everybody that's in the board are not the only ones in the dungeon or the secret hideout or whatever. There's others that are coming, but you're going through here and you don't have time at the end. You're trying to run out and escape with the loot or whatever piece of information you find. Uh, so you, it, it works that loot thing into uh, the card play with the deck. So you want to have some of those sometimes cards that have play loot on them so you can grab stuff in a certain range. They'll give you like loot with a range so you can go grab. Uh, so I thought that was kind of weird because I'm like, I killed all the bosses and whatever the guys that were there. Why can't I just go pick up all the treasure that's there at the end? Um, and I think and obviously it is by design. That's the way he said he designed it. And that first was a tough thing for me but then when i restarted and kind of played the normal i'm like okay i can see how you kind of you have to make a decision to run off so it works mechanically um and then it works thematically as i explained earlier now when you play hard mode though like i was like i don't have time like i am like almost dead so much that i'm not going to waste time going and playing a loot card or trying to walk over and grab treasure um so anyway that was one thing i wanted to main but you know my mind has changed on that so that's all I got to say. If you have any more questions about it, definitely ask. Uh, there's a lot I did not talk about, mostly due to spoilers and mostly due to just kind of the immensity of everything. Okay, certainly take a look at this one. Thank you.